0: From beanies to carry bags, and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. You're listening to Bruce
1: de Torres on today's News Talk Radio,
0: TNT.
1: This is World Stage, exposing the tyrannies and exploring our power with deep dives into history, current events, dangerous trends, and the nature of reality. Before I introduce my guest, I want to talk for a minute about A press release put out a few days ago, January 31st, by uh, DailyClout.io, Dr. Naomi Wolf's fantastic platform, American Voters Alliance and Daily Clout put forth model election reform bill in time for November 24 presidential election. I'm just going to talk about this for a minute. The American Voters Alliance and Daily Clout have been working overtime to develop legislative solutions Uh, with input, model legislation that will hold public officials accountable and correct the egregious irregularities and unlawful behaviors, such as the ballot harvesting that we witnessed in 2020. Quote, private interest groups have been managing elections through nonprofit shells and more recently through government contracts. These groups are not subject to FOIA requests or the same transparency laws as government officials. Our model legislation creates transparency around their involvement and accountability for their election activities. Free and fair elections, that was the uh, Phil Klein, the bill's co-author. And I encourage everybody to go to dailycloud.io on January 31st and find this press release and find the way to click and read and see the proposed legislation that All Americans can push up and out to our state legislators to provide for things like paper ballot and voter ID to really, really once and for all solve the problems with electronic voting over the last couple of decades that have left so many of us convinced that we cannot trust the declared election outcomes. With me this hour is Peter Phillips. Professor Emeritus of, of Political Sociology, who was director of Project Censored and president of the Media Freedom Foundation for many years. He has edited or co-edited many publications and has won many awards. His 2018 book, Giants, the Global Power Elite, is a look at the top 300 most powerful players in world capitalism who are at the controls of our economic future. His book coming out this summer, 2024, is Titans of Capital, Concentrated Global Wealth Threatens Humanity, which examines the investment practices of the 10 largest capital investment management companies. United States and NATO concerns with Russia and China are directly related to the financial interests of the Titans of Capital. His work is available at sevenstories dot com. Thank you very much for joining me today, Peter. How are you?
2: Thank you very much for having me, Bruce. I want to
1: ask you what um what is the state of American freedom and democracy in the context of the massive concentrations of wealth that you teach about in both of your books, and take me as a as a, a newbie to you and your work, through paint a picture of for me of who controls what, especially in terms of my government and the major governments of the world, and uh, use these these questions as as an excuse to. Teach me about your work and your books as as you would prefer to. You're not limited to the narrow tunnels that I may have just uh, constructed
2: for you. Okay. well, global capital um, money is increasingly concentrated among and controlled by a very small number of people. It's quite amazing. There are. Today, there's 31 investment management companies that control over a trillion dollars each. And um, th- that's massively concentrated. So I looked at just the top 10 of those in my current research. Now, five years ago, we looked at what we call the giants, and these were the ones that were a trillion dollars at that time. And that's that number has doubled. but. Um, the giants—they—they control a trillion dollars. There was a couple hundred people that managed those companies that were on their board of directors. We researched who they were, we identified them, and uh, did bios on on all of them. And that that work sh- in five years—that's doubled. The the top ten uh, investment management companies today control fifty trillion dollars of worth whereas the top 17 controlled $40 trillion five years ago. So we're seeing this massive concentration of wealth. In in that $50 trillion, there's only 117 people um, who decide where that money gets invested. And that has both positive and negative consequences for the rest of us, and um, both environmentally, socially, and, um, you know, completely... uh, we have no say in this. And so in that sense, capital is controls the world. It dominates. Governments um, work on behalf. The United States government is always saying that, well, we have our troops in Africa to protect our special interests. Special interests are these people. Special interests are the capital uh, controlled by um, Americans and capitalists in other countries around the world that is concentrated. So the biggest, the biggest company is BlackRock, um, and they control um, $9 trillion worth of investment capital, and they get to decide where to, to invest it. So my book, my upcoming book, researches how their investments play out, who they're investing, particularly unbeneficial uh, investments, such as investments in, in war and um, plastics and oil and global warming, all of that. And they all like to say that they're in support of, you know, we're going to try to slow down global warming. They haven't done that at all. They've doubled the amount of oil being um used up around the world. And and it's quite it's quite amazing to lay this out and and show it for what it is.
1: It reminds me of what uh Bobby Kennedy Jr. is saying very often about BlackRock and and a couple others Vanguard and maybe State Street, but why wow what are the implications for, you know, our quality of life? Uh, maybe that's a, such an obvious and leading question, Peter, but what are the next points you make about, listen, about this. This these realities that you just described?
2: What this describes is that the one half of one percent, um, 40 million people in the world, are acquiring and controlling um, half the wealth that there exists, and the rest is distributed very poorly uh, down the chain. So that half the people in the world live on, on $6 a day. 80% of the people in the world live on $10 a day. Um, there is no sharing of this massive wealth, and it has very negative consequences. Just in, like in terms of, of food, um, there's over Um, the biggest companies, um, Archer Daniels Midland, uh, Bunge um, in Bermuda, based in Missouri, Cargill, and Louis Drivers Company from Netherlands, they control 70 to 90% of the grain stocks in the world. Their prices have massively gone up. So when prices go up, people in At the bottom rung, people living on $2 a day or um, $5 a day are starving. There's inadequate food for for nutrition. And these big companies like Archer, Daniels, Bidwin are totally controlled and invested by um, the top titan, the giants, the top 10. So... um, Vanguard, Capital Group, State Street, BlackRock all have billions of dollars invested in these companies. So they're making profit off of people starving in the world. And that's to me pretty diabolical, pretty pretty negative.
1: Yes, and the the ability to rein them in as an American would come from having representatives which we don't anymore in my sad opinion working for our well-being. The enormity of the global situation that you just described, Peter. I'd like to explore uh, the shortest or the or the greatest uh, description of the history. How did things get this way? Maybe collapse that into you know whatever, to leave us plenty of time to for you to share with me your best thinking about solutions that have to be possible. When enough uh, functioning adults in all countries not only know the reality of this situation, but want to do something about it um did i did I give you a specific enough uh, well, question there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a political sociologist. I've spent um forty years researching elites and power. Um I studied in particular the Bohemian Club and based in California, that uh, elites travel to every year for summer camp. Um, but more importantly, I've looked at how um, the, the, uh, the upper class of the United States and research has been done. Like one of the first books was C. Wright Mills' The Power Elite, where he said this was back in 1956. And he was, they were looking at, at the United States. And they said the government, military, and business elites dominate the country and can make the decisions about uh, what's going to be done, and that book is still is still very relevant. Followed quickly with that in the sixties was Bill Domhoff's book Who Rules America, and um, that he identified the upper classes in the country, how we can who how we can see who they are. What that's where I got interested in the Bohemian Club because he he did a book on them and um, talked about uh, how concentrated and networked elites are and, and, and there's an increasingly smaller number of people. But in the last 30 years or so, there's been a lot of research on what's on transnational uh, corporate class, the, um, the elites worldwide and how they're interconnected. And Leslie Sklar um, out of, uh, from London uh, was one of the first to take a look at the transnational capitalist class and talk about it as a unified network of people deciding what's going on in the world. William Robinson from California, University of Santa Barbara, did a book called The Theory of Global Capitalism back in, in, the, in the late uh, in 2004. And um, he laid out a concentration of power to decision-making among elites. And that's very important. William Carroll and Making the Transnational Class in 2010 did an excellent research work and described how corporate boards were getting smaller and more networked and tightly involved with each other. And then at the same time, we start to see the world economic forum forming and networks of the largest thousand corporate people, the thousand corporations in the world, uh, the largest go every year to Davos to make policy decisions around where we're going with the world economy. And uh, that is very much part of what David Rothkopf called, he used to work for Kissinger. Uh, He had a book in 2008 called The Superclass, The Global Power Elite. And he said there's six or 7,000 people um, or 1,000th of 1% of the world's population who are making the decisions in the world. So these people are making decisions about capital. And that's what my book is about, um, is how these top 10 Capital Investment Companies, BlackRock, Vanguard, UBS in Switzerland, Fidelity, State Street, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, Credit Amundi uh, in France, Allianz in Germany, um, and the Capital Group in the US. These are all groups that have over a billion, the smallest amount is um, $2.9 billion, or trillion dollars of investment money Collectively, they have $50 trillion of wealth that they manage. And so we've identified the 117 people um, by name and background. And the backgrounds are very, very similar. Uh, Ivy League education, upbringing, wealth, wealth in the family in most cases. And so you end up with people like Larry Fink, um, who is the in charge of BlackRock, and, um, you know, he he went to UCLA, um, and he's a trustee at NYU now. And he's on the Council of Foreign Relations. He's on the International Business Council. He goes to Davos every year. In fact, he's on the Davos trustee board. Um, he's in the business roundtable. Uh, and uh, he's he became, in 2022, he was listed by Forbes as a new billionaire. So this Peter. was a man who came from a mm-hmm. middle-class background mm-hmm. um, in, at Los Angeles who went to UCLA, right. got a master's degree and became a billionaire by getting involved in capital investment. And BlackRock is yeah. the largest. They came Peter up with Phillips. a really good way to return things.
1: Thank you. I'm just reintroducing you, Peter Phillips, author of Giants, the Global Power Elite, and the upcoming Titans of Capital. And... I want to add, don't miss out on a thing, be sure to download download the TNT Radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily watch or listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. And now here is important information from today's news talk, TNT. TNT's Timothy Shea. The race is essentially
0: now Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley, Ron disappoints this will be pulling his hat from the ring. Next. And the issue as always is why is the Nikki taking so much of the left's money? Well, maybe this will give you a little insight. She credits Hillary Clinton with inspiring her to enter politics having attended a women's leadership summit at which Hillary spoke And Nikki said, and I quote, I then had to decide whether I was a Republican or Democrat. See, Nikki has no core beliefs other than doing whatever her globalist masters, paymasters, want her to say. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. The benefits of advertising on today's news talk, TNT Radio, should be clear to businesses of any shape or size. It can be accessed anywhere, anytime, by anybody, and is the perfect way to build brand awareness and stimulate digital activity. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page, and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Ladies and today's news talk news and information tnt radio
1: with me is peter phillips professor emeritus of political sociology whose books can be found at sevenstories.com. dot com and before the end of the show peter i'll ask you where else people can follow you and find your your uh and find you online but your your work is invaluable in how you're documenting who owns what and the unbelievable wealth. Uh, disparity that I believe is obviously responsible for so many of the most horrible and I'll say unnecessary problems faced by humanity. And I just a general question of how much of world events for the last many years or definitely lately are driven by the behind the scenes pressure, influence, and desires of these massive holders of this of this giant amounts of capital
2: well they're making policy recommendations all the time through various uh policy groups that they belong to but it's important to understand that, that the government the intelligence agencies um and you know and banks and investment capital um work together to acquire more concentrated wealth, to make sure there's a return on capital, and that if there's debts, they could be collected. This is why the U.S. has uh, military forces spread all over the world uh, to protect these special interests, because this is a global phenomenon. There are investments everywhere, uh, including in China, 1.3 trillion in China, investments Um, in Russia, a lot of which have been undermined by the war, but uh, continue to happen. And the war is an interesting thing because as russia was kind of boxed into the ukraine situation um, the investment in military companies massively increased so that these giant uh investment companies the top 10 uh, they lost some money in russia because of investment decline there but they made it up from military uh investments that they held worldwide um, so war is very profitable for, for elites. And um, so we have, to, we have to look at the different tr- groups like the Trilateral Commission, the um, International Bank of Settlements, the Atlantic Council is very big now in policy recommendations. Groups like the Trilateral Commission, the um, International Bank of Settlements, the Atlantic Council is very big now on policy recommendations. Uh, and they're closely tied into NATO. Uh, the International Monetary Conference, the Council of Foreign Relations, the National Security Council. These are all groups that are making policy recommendations to governments, particularly the United States government, but also the EU. And um, we pay very close attention to what they're saying, and we meaning the governments uh, in in the United States and, and Europe. And so they they want to make sure that capital is protected, that it can grow, that it's safe, and it'll be on ongoing and they don't pay a whole lot of attention to where how capital is invested so we all know that there's a problem with global warming and and climate and climate change and um, and that's very dangerous and they and they say well we just have to cut back on you know you having the global warming um oil and gas um has to has to be declined so we're going to electric cars and, and that and that sort of thing. But what's happened is that in the in, in the United States, um ExxonMobil shareholders, um in particular uh BlackRock and Vanguard asked Exxon to mobil to, to take a report on how uh, their impacts on terms of global warming would have on their stock. And this was five years ago. And what ExxonMobil knows full well that if they continue at the current rate, that we're going to exceed the Paris Accords, that we're going to get up over 2% increase in in, in the two degrees centigrade increase, and that uh, it's going to impact the world environment. So, But what we're seeing is that Exxon revenue um, in 2019 was $264 billion. In 2022, it was $413 billion and Exxon, blackrock and vanguard both increased uh their investments in, in exxon mobil at the same time so there's a whole lot of saying that well uh, uh, that we're doing this and we're concerned about it but then what happens is the the opposite of happened so we're burning more oil now than we ever have and that and we don't see any reversal of that uh the one thing that they're trying to do is is cl- what's called um uh, they they want to build big machines that will suck carbon out of the air, and uh, they've actually funded a, two of those uh, th- this year. And Al Gore says they're just they're just phony. That it's not going to make any difference whatsoever. Um, but Biden's administration has funded a couple billion dollars to build these machines that'll suck carbon out of the air, but it's 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 not going to make a difference. So we see the titans investing in oil, they invest, they invest in coal, um, 14 billion in the coal burning. Um, and so that, you know, UN Secretary General um, Antonio Guterres said, some governments and business leaders are saying one thing and they're doing another. Simply put, they're lying. Um, so that's, that is a situation that the people in the world are facing. Um, massive increases in, you know, it's spending on various other other kinds of other kinds of uh, harmful uh, investments. One of the biggest harmful investments is tobacco. Um, the Center for Disease Control talks about how Americans are living in a disease caused by smoking. Sixteen million people are sick from that. Millions are dying cancer heart disease stroke lung disease diabetics uh yet over <clears throat> 1.250 uh, billion cigarettes were sold in the United States in 2022 and the largest uh, producer of cigarettes Philip Morris has investments by all 10 of the of the titan giants um Vanguard 20 billion capital group 23 billion BlackRock 8 billion States' treaty, but they're all invested in making more cigarettes and profiting from them. So that that's very harmful to the American people. Uh, Another big.
1: No, I was just going to ask what are the what are the other most obvious to you uh, harmful or you know negative results uh, or, or or impacts of the accumulation of actions or policies or or investment pursuits of these monsters of capital?
2: We saw a a slight decline in people living in extreme poverty, um, meaning that they're living on less than $2.15 a day. Um, That was primarily a result of China eliminating extreme poverty um, completely. They they had like 500 million people moved out of extreme poverty and they're still poor. They're getting by on five dollars a day, but that's not two dollars and fifteen cents. So they they're eating better and they're and they and they're surviving better. Um, the rest of the world extreme extreme poverty uh, increased and continues to increase. So millions of people, 180 million in fact, are you know facing with dire no health care, not inadequate food nutrition. 25,000 people, children mostly die daily from lack of nutrition and basic basic health care. So there's an ongoing, literally an ongoing slaughter of people at, at the poorest levels uh, who are not being taken care of. Are you
1: are you aware of the voices and their documentation? Of the horrors of injuries and deaths caused by the COVID protocols and the COVID injections,
2: yes, somewhat. Um, I've read some of the materials on that area, and I'm very concerned about it. Um, it fits. I'm not. I don't buy into conspiracy theories, even though I, I taught a class on conspiracies. Um, the idea that it's that the COVID virus was introduced deliberately, and it was designed to sort of, as the Israelis say, mow the lawn, so to speak, uh, decline in, in populations. Um, I don't buy that as a conspiracy theory, but the results of what's happened have, have been certainly negative in terms of population impacts and people dying. The poorest people in the world are faced with dire consequences and, and are impacted daily. By lack of nutrition, lack of medical care. And so that disease is any disease is going to hit them the hardest and hit countries and people where the where the poorest are more completely uh, impacting. Um sure. but there's a there lot are, of there other are. things that have that kind of impact as well. Alcohol industry. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, alcoholism uh <clears throat> as as impacts. million people die from alcohol consumption, and um, 10% of the drinkers uh, average 74 drinks a week. So what happens with all of alcohol is that top 20% of the drinkers account for 80% of the alcohol sales. So that's not you and I having a little glass of wine over dinner. This is people who are in the, the top 20%. So the alcohol industry itself is totally invested by the by the titans. They have 61 billion invested in the top alcohol producers. And um that is killing people, um, millions of people. And and we know it, and their profits are based upon um alcoholics. 80% of the profits are, are from alcoholics.
1: When when I reflect on the uh history as I remember it of the state of Europe, particularly let's say Britain before the founding of the of the United States, what is the state of democracy or governments representing people here in America or around the world while the world world's wealth is owned that the way it is? And what do you see as the as the potential or the hope of increasing freedom to the end of us being able to have governments? regulate or control or or protect us from the massive harms of such concentrated capital
2: the massive harms are unknown this is why i wrote this or writing these books um, most people don't understand that they think oh well you know if we just cut back on oil and it's not it's it's a few hundred people that are making the decisions about this and how this is happening um, and we don't get to make those kinds of decisions. We don't determine where capital gets spent, um, and we don't. We don't even determine. I mean, it, we have an election, and we get to choose between two um, candidates that are both totally in support of, of global capitalism, and um, and are not going to make changes. Government doesn't make those kinds of changes that, that are required. Um, you know, we, and, and then there's big fights about areas like like small arms ownership. The United States, um, gun violence is, is is incredible. I mean, we have 45,000 Americans killed by guns each year. And the U.S., with 5% of the world's population, has 46% of the civilian-owned guns in the world. And one of the biggest producers, of course, is Smith & Weston that make 2.3 million guns a year including AR15s and and those um and they're invested completely by BlackRock Vanguard UBS State Street they're the ones who provide the money to make all these guns that people can buy and I'm not going to get into the do you, know, you have a right to have a gun or not but guns are hurting us in, in a very big way and um and that's just well, not and, you know school shootings and, and folks,
1: that right and folks are studying and really showing w- what is on the books, the response of the West, and particularly America, to the COVID protocols that many show, demonstrate, and, and, and understand that they caused more harm than the disease and even the injections have. If uh, so, And the further plans of the World uh, Health Organization with their amendments proposed, the shrinking of any uh of, of, of national sovereignty and being able to protect ourselves uh, in many many spheres along the line in, in the context of the sustainable development goals of the UN Peter there are well-documented analyses of the of those trends that sound like they are influenced and designed and pushed forward by the machinations of this, highly concentrated wealth in the hands of a minuscule number compared to the world's population. Um, How dire is that? How dire is our future? And what have you imagined are some of the practical things that regular people could do if they saw the reality clearly?
2: Well, Bruce, you're absolutely correct. And um, the pharmaceutical companies are just one element of global control. So that nation states, if you know the independent nations, our sovereign nations, they're really just population containment zones um, and ways with police states to control the population and and do not allow um, a global a- attack, literally, on capital wealth concentrated. So um, you know, I, the best we can do, the best I can do, is identify who these people are explain how they're controlling wealth that impacts all of us negatively they run the gambling companies they make millions of dollars off of they you know they, they're making they own they own the the world armament industry and um and they feel threatened by of course China and Russia and so the a, a russia phobia that exists in the United States today is deliberate um, and, and the negative feelings about China. Fifty percent of the people five years ago thought China was okay. Now 80 percent of the people are very concerned about China and want to re- strongly resist. And the U.S. policy towards Taiwan is to maintain um, that that island is belongs to China officially, but we, we're arming them. We're providing weapons, very strong. I mean, we just gave several hundred million dollars worth of weapons to China this year, including... Uh, to, Ch- to Taiwan. To, to Taiwan, to anti-aircraft anti-airc- missiles and, and uh, uh, tow attacks on ships and stuff. Um, so that we are providing the mechanisms for Taiwanese to fight China, should China engage in a war and, uh, or an invasion and um that that is very concerning any war as threats threatens uh nuclear weapons and nu- and the titans are totally invested in nu- making nuclear weapons and profit from them and uh, that's that's deliberate as well and i live in the us nuclear weapons producing state new mexico and they make all the new weapons that that are are coming out and i live within the storage area um for nuclear weapons in the country, there's two thousand of them here in Albuquerque. So they're major. I mean, it's a major area, and it's it's most most concerning, because, you know that the the uh, they don't need that many weapons, nuclear bu- weapons at all. If any countries shot off ten each, and um, you know knocked out the major cities of their opponents, it would create a a, a global winter so severe that most of the people in the world would die. And uh, so it's, its nuclear weapons are, are unusable and they're immoral according to the Pope and the Catholic Church. And so it's it's just a, a, a deliberate profit-making adventure that the people make billion, millions of dollars off building these things to mm-hmm. threaten the Russians and, and the Chinese um, mm-hmm. And it, it would destroy the world if they were ever used. Yes, and... I'm totally against deterrence. I, I don't buy that argument at all. Any country that used their nuclear weapons would kill all their own population as well. So we could eliminate all the nuclear weapons of the U.S. If we were attacked by Russia or China, the, those bombs going off would kill us first, but then it would destroy the world completely anyway. So that's a, it's a suicidal adventure.
1: Well, Peter Phillips, we're going to continue after a little break. Author of Giants, the Global Power Elite, and the upcoming this summer, 2024, Titans of Capital, Concentrated Global Wealth Threatens Humanity. And your books are available at sevenstories.com. And now here is important information from today's news talk, TNT. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg.
0: Fresh off her court victory worth
2: over $83 million over Donald Trump, of course, columnist E. Jean Carroll appeared on The Rachel Maddow Show and expressed her euphoria by making this offer to Maddow.
0: You've talked about using some of Trump's money that you're about to get um, to help shore up women's rights. Do you know what that might be? What that might look like? Yes, Rachel. Yes. Tell me. I had such such great ideas (laughs) for all the good I'm gonna do with this money first thing Rachel You and I are going to go shopping. We're going to get completely new wardrobes, new shoes, motorcycle for Crowley, new fishing rod for Robbie. Rachel, what do you want? Penthouse? It's yours, Rachel. Penthouse and uh, France? You want France? You want to go fishing in France? No? Oh, all right, all right, okay. That's a joke.
2: (laughs) I'm sorry, is it just me? Or does Carol's offer to Maddow seem to cheapen? and delegitimize all she says she stands for. Thanks for giving me a minute, I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT.
0: While serving in Vietnam, a grenade took my ability to see. Today, I'm a sculptor creating new visions. Now, my fingers are my eyes. As a veteran, I know the challenges of life can be great. In my art, turning a lump of clay into something beautiful, that means a lot to me. Life is like that. We each must use what we can to make things better. DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. Now, I show others how they can create something with their own hands. With support from DAV, More veterans can shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world. Michael Naranjo, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Bruce de, Bruce de Torres, on today's News Talk
1: Radio, TNT. We're back with Peter Phillips, Professor Emeritus of Political Sociology at Sonoma State University in Sonoma County, California, who also taught courses in socio- in the sociology of power, the sociology of media, of conspiracies, and also courses in investigative sociology. And, Peter, I believe that Uh, the truth sets us free and just focusing on America, both your books, the the Titans coming out in in the summer, if they could get into the hands of every single Senator, Congressman at the federal level and every state legislator, I would hope that a decent percentage in each body across the country, would comprehend the urgency of our problems, the, the cliff that we are on the edge of if trends continue. And there's no more valuable element than, as I understand what is coming out in your book this coming summer, Titans of Capital, um, than knowing who are these people? Let's sh- shine some light on them um, so, what uh, what can you tell me about them, please?
2: Well, the the Titans, the 117 people that manage the 50 trillion in in the world, are mostly from the U.S. Uh, they're two thirds men. They're 80 percent white, um, and um, they're making decisions that impact all of our lives on a daily basis. So, of the of the 117, seven of them are billionaires. Uh, 10 of eight of them have over 100 million dollars. There's 26 that have 10 million, 24 that have 5 million or more, 35 that have a million or more. So, these are not necessarily the richest people in, in the world. These are not the, uh, you know, Musk and Bezos and uh, Gates and Buffett and Larry Page and Ellison and those people. They're multi billion billionaires, but these are the ones deciding how capital is going to be invested which has a bigger impact than any of the billionaires individually. And so this is very important to understand is this network of people are deciding how to invest. They give massive amounts of money um, to people who are running for Congress and, and that, especially if they're pro-capital. And, um, that, and then, so they dominate, money dominates the U.S. Um, political process and system ever since Citizens United allowed... Unlimited investments by corporations. Um, so money rules in in the U.S. Uh, money rules the world, and um, any interference with that can be will be result in very negative, if not uh, overt, repression uh, by any any government that uh, wants to stay abreast with, with the powers elites in the world. And uh, so that's this is a very important piece of, of understanding that we don't have a democracy. The money is the is the root of control, and uh, the people with that money, uh, these billionaires, uh, multi billionaires, the, the richest now is, um, I guess, uh, Warren Buffett has eighty four billion. Uh, Jeff Bezos is at one hundred seventy one billion. Uh, and they've seen just in the last five years, they've increased their wealth in some cases by fifty billion dollars. So what we're looking at, if we continue to have this happen in a very short number of years, there will be people who are trillionaires, people that have over a thousand billions worth of money that they control. And to me, this is should be illegal and immoral. Um, and it's just obviously. We can't have that kind of wealth disparity, and expect the world to to continue to survive and, and be adjusted. If we want to have a democracy, we have to make decisions that to control global warming, to, uh, to try to reduce that chances of warfare. Uh, this is this is a really important decisions for all of us to make.
1: How would you and how do you suggest or steer people? into taking useful actions along those lines?
2: Well, we have a letter to the elites that we put published in um, the, both books um, that basically s- describes the inequality of the world and that they are instrumental in maintaining that equality and making it even worse, and that this cannot could could be allowed to continue. Um, I'm convinced that it will be stopped at some point. Um, Or it will collapse economically, and it may be catastrophic for the world if that happens. Um, But I don't see it happening by election reform. Um, We're going to have to convince enough people that wealth inequality and wealth control and billionaires um, can not continue to have that that amount of wealth and and the world survive. So um, we could tax it. I would say 90% tax. We used to have a 90% tax in the United States for the richest people. I think we should go back to that. Um, and just a few billion would eliminate hunger in the world. Um, we should go back to uh, eliminate, you know, not producing billions of dollars of weapons to destroy each other with. Uh, that would be a big area of, of decline that we are savings that we could do there should be a minimum standard of living for every human being which would include food and housing and uh, medical care uh there's a lot of people that believe in that and and support that so um that that we mm -hmm. should have to
1: i i i see a lot that persuades me that collectively if not individually the giant wealth holders who've got the most influence on public policy in all countries around the world have a real clear objective to sicken and control us increasingly to the end of letting us die off at a slower, more intentional pace. To, to many, that just sounds like conspiracy theory stuff. I've been, I mean, I'm i just persuaded we can talk offline about why am I persuaded? There's a miraculous opportunity to me in the candidacy of Bobby Kennedy Jr. in that he articulates much that I've seen that tends to prove the exact same thing, that this uh, agenda is, is real and that this is the biggest, this is what these super-rich are either letting happen because they're just pursuing profit or they're intentionally doing it in ways that maximize uh profit to them so that's a that's a very long way to ask you what do you know about kennedy's candidacy and and maybe we addressed this earlier but what do you what you know what do you know about it what do you feel what's your impression of it um because he is stating much in 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 the short amount of time that he can and the kinds of interviews that he's giving, some are very, very long form, but it's very consistent with everything we've talked about till now.
2: Well, there's a lot of people that understand these problems um, and are fully aware of the inequalities in the world. Um, Kennedy is, it seems to be one of them, um, but the political process does not allow for that to happen. Um, and so what we have to do, our letter to the elites, the people we name in our books, says that we don't have a prescription for how to solve these problems, but a guidance would be the Universal Declaration of Human Rights um, as a guide, and that whatever we're doing, capital concentration and neoliberal austerity problems great greater human misery to people in the world, and right. you're in a position, you elites are in a position to fix that, and if yeah. you don't fix that, you're going to result in a catastrophic um, conflict that will affect the entire world and it's no longer free, acceptable for you to believe or that you can manage capitalism to grow its way out of gross inequalities. That's It's going the opposite direction.
1: It almost sounds, Peter, it almost sounds like inside there, which are all great points, It's it's it sounds like warning them, if things don't change, a lot of people could, could die off. And my you know question, and we don't have to agree on it or even, you know, is like, that's fine with them. But I also want to ask, I am i can't wait to read your books. I can't wait to read that letter. Because to me, it sounds like the kind of thing worth uh, promoting every which way possible. Besides your publisher, sevenstories.com, I wasn't really able to find anything of a web presence about you as a spokesperson about these ideas or about your book? Have I missed such what what, to the question? Most
2: of my my work um, is published at projectcensored.org and my books are all distributed there. I was director of Project Censored for 14 years um, and the managers and directors now Project Censored uh, are co-publishing with Seven Stories Press, my new book on on the titans and uh, so i would recommend that people if they're going to acquire these books they'll do it through project besides um, your
1: books and, so do you have other do you have essays or articles on that site
2: i have many hundreds of articles that i have written over the years since i retired for the last two years i fo- focused primarily on getting the titans finished and that is now in uh, editing in new york at seven stories and we'll be out sometime this year um and uh, so i want to get back to producing you know a thousand word essays on a regular basis that sort of thing but uh um i now live in albuquerque but we're planning to move back to california at some point so um we're are you, you know, are you going are on. you
1: what what uh, thinking are you giving to how much promotion you can do leading up to the launch of the book, the release of the book, and then for many months after that? Do you have the intention to try to get on as many shows like this as possible, and things like that? Absolutely,
2: absolutely. I've done when my book, my, when Giants came out, I probably did two hundred interviews in six months. Nice. So
1: nice. I'm fully, you given...
2: fully up for that and and ready to go.
1: And where would you post? Uh, updates for folks who want to follow the development of the release is it on social media or anywhere else
2: oh well I I post it on social media but it projectcensor.org is the best place a okay. lot of my a lot of my writings are there um I published on global research and a number of other places counterpunch um right. a lot of my essays are there over the years but uh um Project but for folks Censor, who
1: quote-unquote who want to quote-unquote follow you, it should be
2: projectcensored.org. .org would be the best place to see my okay. current writings, yeah.
1: Right, because it'd be great to see um, handy, you know, things like the link to this show, which I'll be sending you in the next day or so after it gets, you know, posted It'll be up
2: there, the there and I'll, I'll, I'll post Good. it. But, right. Yeah.
1: And, and it'd be great. I can't wait to see an essay from you about the letter to the elites, and then it'll probably, obviously it'll speak for itself, but also... What you would behoove you know, the humanity to do with this letter, you know, because if that, if if enough of us could get that letter to enough of them, and enough of their shareholders, and enough of their customers, and enough of their colleagues and venture partners, something seems, you know, hopeful or reasonably
2: uh, possible. I don't Along have a prescription on how to save the world. I just know that we're not going in the right direction and it's got to be turned around. Now, how that happens, mm-hmm. uh, I'm appealing to elites to and yeah. many these are good people. They're not evil in for the most part. Um, they're just unaware perhaps of, of what what the negative things that are happening from what they're doing. Um, but uh they could be persuaded, I think. But um more importantly, having millions of people become aware of the inequalities and the and the massive starvation and hunger and the twenty five thousand people a day dying um and and that and that you know, that those those numbers and those figures yes. um there's got to be a stop. and um, you know, I don't advocate violent revolution at all, but uh nonviolent non-cooperation certainly can go a long way. In bringing about changes in any society
1: absolutely and uh, I'm judging your books without reading them that I think that they are massively empowering for everyone who is aware of many of the aspects of what's quote-unquote wrong with the world and this is a very very uh, it's a strategic leverage point um, simply because like you says like I don't have solutions to these problems but they have no hope of being solved until and unless enough people are aware of them and can see to the root of them. And so I can't think of anything more uh, immediate to these problems than the capital uh, who's funding so many of the so-called you know policies and trends that are really squeezing the life and the freedom out of the planet. In our last couple of minutes... Peter. What would you repeat? What would you reemphasize? What would you bring out that we haven't mentioned?
2: Well, I think we've hit hit it pretty strongly. Um, And to look at the bios of the people individually is an important thing to do. They're all millionaires. And even those on the board of directors who aren't millionaires, they will be millionaires after being there a couple of years. Because if you're on the board of one of the big investment companies, you get like free stock, hundreds of thousands of dollars of free stock. You get uh, a salary. I mean, so uh, that kind of position is extremely Has to
1: be known. Peter powerful. Phillips, professor emeritus of political sociology, author of Giants: The Global Power Elite, came out in 2018, the forthcoming Titans of Capital, and massive articles at projectcensored.org. It's been an honor and a privilege. I will be inviting you back sooner than later, and I can't wait to dig into into your books because you are identifying a target and many targets that we need to lovingly pressure and persuade to do the right and the good things to uh, help all of humanity. And uh, this is today's news talk, TNT.